Then turn back a few pages to hymn number 40. <clears throat> hymn number 40, To God Be the Glory. Thank you. 
All right, I would invite you to take your prayer ministry sheet, and uh, let me highlight a few folks that we need to bring before uh, the Lord this morning. Uh, one that's not on your list, uh, keep Ada Schaffhauser in prayer. Um, she's not doing the best. Um, she turned 90, and um, her mind and, and uh, body is just not what it used to be. Uh, so pray for her. Uh, I had a chance to see her this week, and, and um, dear lady, but, um, you know, she repeats herself a few times, and, and you just smile and just kind of keep going. So, but pray for Ada. Do pray for her. Uh, we also listed Ted Kiter on the list. Keep Ted in prayer, as I know many of you have been praying, uh, who has uh, begun chemotherapy now. Uh, pray for minimal side effects from this uh, medication. And then there's a couple of ladies that um, are scheduled for surgery this Friday. Uh, both Dorothea Alibo uh, scheduled for knee surgery on Friday, but that's not in stone. Uh, her blood pressure has been kind of wavering, and so she still needs the okay from the cardiologist, uh, which would take place sometime this week. So pray that she's able to have the surgery on Friday and that this white coat syndrome uh, does not have a factor when she goes to the doctor uh, this week to bring her blood pressure up. And then Sarah Markle, she's having hip surgery on that same day on Friday. And then Deb Schultz, um, last week, uh, she broke her leg just above the ankle, uh, slipped on some ice. Uh, so pray for her as she's um, uh, shut in at home at this time. Father God, we come before your throne with thanksgiving. For you have instructed us to pray uh, in all circumstances, and we're to give thanks. Father, that's not always easy to do, and yet it's your command. And so, Father, we thank you uh, for wherever we find ourselves in life, whatever, wherever we are on this great journey. Uh, Father, we are thankful that you've allowed us to come here today. That you've, uh, Father, you've given us the health to be able to be here to be able to worship you in spirit and in truth, to be able to come and fellowship with one another. And so right now, Father, we're thankful that you have brought us into this warm sanctuary. And we pray, Lord, that we might allow your spirit to have free course in our lives and be glorified. Father, we do think of those who, Father, are getting up there in years, and um, Father, who are um, who are not what they used to be. Uh, we pray for Ada, Lord. We think of her. She's on our mind right now. And, uh, Father, we know that mind is slipping and body is failing. But, Father, give a double portion of grace to her and to her family. I know it's difficult for everyone. Uh, but, Father, you uh, do a good work, I pray and be glorified. I pray for Ted as well this morning, pray, and for Father, and uh, certainly pray for minimal side effects from this medication. Uh, we do pray, Lord, and thank you that uh, the numbers have come down as a result of this uh, chemo, and pray that they would continue to do just that. Father, we do pray that you would um, help Dorothea not, not to be anxious as she goes into this doctor appointment. Father, we can, many of us can relate to that. Um, it, it just, and things happen when you go into the dentist's office or a doctor's office. Um, things are just not quite the same. And so I pray that you would help her to be able to relax, that the cardiologist, cardiologist would give her the okay 
and that she would be able to have this knee, knee surgery on Friday. And for Sarah, Father, she goes in for hip surgery on Friday. We pray that all goes extremely well. Uh, we commit her to you. And uh, we pray for Deb. We pray that, Father, very soon uh, she'll be able to get up on her feet and be able to get back into the routine of things and the activities that she enjoys as well. Father, we saw Dave Road come with his cane, and we know he's anxious to uh, get rid of that and be able to walk without it. And so we pray that that would happen soon as well. And Father, for all the rest of these on this list that uh, we bring before you this morning, we just ask you, Lord, to touch each life, wherever they are, whatever they're going through, just touch them with that healing touch that we've often read about in the Gospels when Jesus would touch the lives of people and, Father, the blind would see and the, the lame would walk again. Father, touch the lives of these folks and bring healing. We are thankful this morning for uh, the opportunity once again to be able to come together as a corporate body of believers. Lord, this is the one chance we have during the week to come as a group of this size, to come before you, to come into your presence, and to do it as the body of Christ. Father, that's who we are. We're part of your body. We belong to you. Uh, we're part of your family. And Father, because of that, we come to you this morning, calling you our Father, coming through Jesus Christ and in the power of your Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you might use this time today, this morning, to change us, to move us by your Spirit. Lord, it's your Spirit that uses your Word to convict, to move, to empower and so I pray that you might help us to remove the distractions of the world and help us, Lord, as we have found ourselves here in this place at this time, help us to listen, to have ears to hear and hearts, Lord, that are willing to be moved by your spirit and be changed. So use your word in a special way to move into our hearts and lives. We conclude, Lord, this prayer with thanksgiving for the salvation which you have provided for each of us. For by grace we have been saved through faith. Father, for that wonderful relationship we have with you, without any doubt and with great assurance, we know that we belong to you and you belong to us. So use this time in a special way to move us and bring us closer to yourself we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I believe Steve, Sarah, and Janelle are going to come and minister to us at this time.
All right, if you would continue standing as we sing to our Lord together.
sin, who knew no sin, that we might become his righteousness. He humbled himself and carried the cross. Love so amazing. Love so
Joy at the word of your name. 
Metamorphosis is defined this way, a change in form and often a change in habits. A change in form and often a change in habits. Do you know that there's a word used in the Bible? It's the word metamorpho, and it's used to describe your change when you became a Christian, did you know the Bible says that you have been transformed? That you have been changed? Back in the book of Ezekiel, uh, don't turn there, just listen. But Ezekiel foresees the new covenant, the saving work of Christ with these breathtaking words in Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 26. I give you a new heart. And I put a new spirit in you, and I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Ezekiel speaks of a new covenant, the change that will take place in Christians, a transformed mind a transformed heart, a new spirit, a new ability to be able to obey God. We come into the New Testament and we read words like born again, born from above, born anew. We have a new kind of life. We belong in a new family. The old things, they passed away and behold, all things have become new. We have been transformed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We were once dead in trespasses and sin 
and now we've been made we've made a lot been made alive in Christ. The Bible says we are a new creation, that we are a Christian, that we are a follower of Jesus Christ. But with that comes the responsibility of acting like a Christian. And the Bible says if we claim that name, Christian, and we claim to belong to the family of God, then we need to behave in a way that reflects that family. If we're changed from the inside out, if we truly have been transformed, a miracle even more amazing than what you saw on the screen, we are not what we used to be. And the Bible says don't go back and live that old way of living. You live like a Christian. You live like who you claim to be. You live like Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says it this way. Live a life that is worthy of the calling you have received. Live a life that is worthy of the calling you have received. Live like the Christian you are and who you claim to be. A frog who has come from a tadpole doesn't go back and live like a tadpole. Frogs jump and they leap. Butterflies don't go back and crawl. They fly and they soar. We have been changed. We have been transformed. And we ought to live like the Christian we claim to be. If you're a believer, the Bible says, live like one. If you're different, you've been changed from the inside out. In Ephesians chapter 4, and that's what we're going, where we're going to be for the rest of this month. Uh, we're not going to leave Ephesians chapter 4. Our text is going to be in this chapter. This morning we just look at one verse. The first verse of Ephesians chapter 4. And this is what it says. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. If you're a Christian, live that way. If you claim to know the Lord, then live as you're walking through life and becoming like Him. You know, three times in the Bible uh, we read these words in Ephesians 4. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, it speaks about uh, living a life worthy of the Lord. Uh, over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and verse 12, it speaks of uh, living uh, a life that is worthy of the calling that the Lord has given to you. And you take all of these together. The truth that is being conveyed to us is that we need to live like Christ. We are being conformed into his very image. So act and behave and speak and think like Jesus would. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, Paul says, I urge you. And he says the same thing here. I urge you. You see, Paul was in prison when he writes this little letter. 
Paul was in prison for the Lord, it says in verse 1, as a prisoner for the Lord. You know, he thought living for the Lord was worth being in prison for. He felt as though living for Jesus was worth living for and dying for. Paul said, there's no other way to live. Now that I am a Christian, now that I am not part of the old covenant, I am not a Jew. Well, I am a Jew, but I'm a transformed Jew. Now I am a Christian, and there's no other way to live. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And so Paul says, I urge you, to the readers here in Ephesus, I urge you, and he says that again in 1 Corinthians 4, I urge you to imitate me. But then he explains that in 1 Corinthians 11 when he says, follow my example as I follow Christ. Paul's not bragging as to the way he lives. He just knows that this is the only way to live. Living for Jesus and being in prison for it, he urges And the word urge is really more than just to exhort. It's a word to beg, to beseech, to plead. Paul is pleading with his readers to live like I do. As I follow Christ, you need to follow me. I was with my granddaughter, Myla, uh, not that long ago, and um, we made a visit to Target. And I said to her before we went into Target, um, and she was only three, this was before Christmas, I said, we're not going to buy anything now, we're just going to look. Well, we're walking down the Barbie aisle. And she has a few Barbie dolls and a few Barbie kits, and she sees this little laundry kit. And she sees in this kit this little towel. And she was asking me, you know, I really would like this. Can can you get this? And then she does this. And only the face as a three-year-old can do with quivering lips. (laughs) But I need a towel. (laughs) Now I stood my ground. (laughs) And, well, she got a laundry kit for Christmas, but I stood my ground then. I said, no, we're just looking. (laughs) Listen, parents, you know what it is for children to beg. But I need this. Paul is begging, really. I mean, I think if you were to look at Paul, he'd get down on his hands and knees. I urge you, I beg you, I plead with you to live this way. I've been in prison for living this way. You need to live as Jesus lived. And then we have these words, this word worthy. Worthy. That Jesus is worth living and dying for. But the word worthy is an interesting word. Uh, It's the word axios in Greek. And if you look at that word, is it on the screen? Yeah, it's down here too. Um, Axios, it looks like the word what? Axel. And really, we get our English word from this word. Oftentimes, English words come from Greek words. Metaphor, a-o, uh, that's the Greek word. Uh, our word is metamorphosis. We get our English word from the Greek word. 
Well, this word is the word axios, which means worthy, and we get our word axis from it. The picture that Paul is painting in the, in the minds of the readers is that of a balance scale. A balance scale that hinges on an axle. You know these scales. You, know, you put the weights on one end and, and then you put weights on the other end and you, you try to balance it. So you come into the meat market and uh, you want a pound of meat and they put a weight on this end equaling, equaling a pound and then on this end you put meat to equal that. Paul says here that we are to live a life worthy. Picture a, child, a child's seesaw. You've been at playgrounds where there's a child's seesaw and someone gets on this end and someone gets on this end. And if this side is, uh, you know, the little fellow is a little bit, weighs a little bit more, it goes down this way. But if you equal it, it balances. Paul is saying here, worthy means to balance the scale. Well, what are, what, what are we putting on this scale? Well, on the one side of the scale, it's who Jesus is. It's the life that God intends for us to live. It's all of the righteousness and the holiness of Jesus Christ. On this side is the life we're living. Now, we know that we're never going to be like Jesus in this lifetime. We know that we will never live the kind of life that is holy and righteous to balance the scale. We know that Jesus is holy and righteous, and the scale looks like this. But our aim, our goal, our desire in life is to balance the scale. So each time we think a little bit more like Jesus, we act a little bit more like Jesus. We speak a little bit more like Jesus. We're balancing the scale. Paul, in using this picture, he's saying, live the life that is worthy. Balance the scale. Live like Jesus lives. Live worthy of, the, of your calling. And as I said over elsewhere in these other passages, in, first, or in Colossians chapter 1, it says, live a life worthy of the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians 2, live lives worthy of the God who calls you. You see, we have been transformed. We really have. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that we are being conformed to the image, to the very likeness of Christ. That's our goal. That's our desire. That's our aim, to live like Jesus. As I said, we'll never be like him until that day when the dead in Christ shall rise and the, uh, those who are alive and remain will be caught up together to be with the Lord in the clouds. I believe when the Bible says when we see him, we will be like him, that it's that moment. And when we are there in the cloud and we actually see Jesus himself in all of his glory, at that moment, when we see him, the Bible says, we will be like him. So there will be a day when we will be like Jesus. But in this lifetime, we're striving to become like him. We'll never be like him until that day when we see him. But we're trying our best. We're trying our best to speak 
and act and think as Jesus would. It's a gradual process. It doesn't happen overnight. This balance beam is slowly moving in the right direction, I hope. But each time we do something or say something that is like Jesus, we're getting a little closer to that beam being balanced. Now, if you turn over to Colossians, uh, we're going to stay in Ephesians 4, but for, for just a moment, I'd like for you to turn to Colossians uh, chapter 1. Colossians and Ephesians are uh, similar in a lot of, a lot of ways. Uh, Paul is writing both from prison, and he says uh, the same thing uh, as he's writing, but in different ways to the, the Colossians and then to the Ephesians. But in Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, uh, we have once again the verse that I just read. It says this, So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. Now, what we're going to do through this month, today this is just letting you know that this is how we should live. The question is, then what does that look like? How do we flesh all of that out? Today we're not fleshing it all out. In the next few weeks, we're going to flesh it out. What does it look like to live worthy of the Lord? Well, notice what Paul says here in Colossians. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Paul here fleshes it out. Live worthy of the Lord. Paul, what does that look like? Do good works. Bear fruit. Begin to know God better. Live in God's strength. Persevere. Let flood or let joy flood your emotions. Be thankful in all things. You see, this is fleshing out living worthy of the Lord. And the picture is that each time we act, and think and speak like Jesus, we're starting to balance the scale. And the change is mentioned here. We've been rescued. We've been rescued from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. We have been redeemed. We have been forgiven of our sins. This great change, this great transformation that has taken place within us. Rescued from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. He's not referring to territory. He's not referring to territory, but authority. We're under new authority. We're under the sovereign rule of a powerful king. The king of kings and the lord of all lords. We're no longer living under the dominion of evil, but under the benevolent rule of God's Son. 
So live that way. We're no longer living in that kingdom of darkness. We've been transformed. We've been changed to the kingdom of light. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, in verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Now live as children of light. Paul keeps saying the same thing, but says it in different ways. Live worthy of the Lord. If you claim Christ as your Savior, then live that way. You're children of light. You're living in a kingdom of of, of light and not darkness. Then, Then be children of light and live that way. See, we're not who we were. We've been changed. We are really new creations. An amazing transformation has taken place. When I started, I said metamorphosis means a change in form and often a change in habits. You were changed in form. You now have been forgiven and your sins have been covered under the blood of Jesus. You're not what you used to be. You're a completely new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Our form has changed. We've been reconciled to God. We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Our sins have been forgiven. The old is gone. The new has come. We have been born again. Born anew. We've been changed on the inside. But does that change show through? Does Jesus show through? The title of this series is Change from the Inside Out. We've been changed. If you trusted Jesus, you have been changed. You are a new creation. But are you living as though you are? Are you living differently than what you lived before? Does Jesus show through? To live a life worthy means to live like Jesus would live. I was reading an interesting story of a young boy. And this young boy, he lived in Paris. Uh, It was at the end of World War II. And he uh, was an orphan uh, because of the atrocities that took place by the German forces and um, at that time, it, was, they, it were desperate conditions. Poor little guy, you know, he had to scrounge for his food, for his clothing, for his shelter. Uh, no one was helping anybody else. And so one day, this little boy was walking down the street there in Paris, and he smelled fresh bread. It was coming from this small bakery. And he went up to the window, and He kind of put his nose up against the window and he was looking in the window and he was looking at the baker and they were, you know, doing all they do and making this fresh bread. And over to the side was an American soldier and he was watching this little guy. And he could see the way he was dressed and that he really had no one to care for him. So the American soldier kind of walks right by him and walks into the store, unnoticed at first by the little guy outside the window. And the soldier goes up to the baker, 
And um, the little boy watches him talk to the baker. And then he takes this bag, a pretty big bag. He start to fill, starts to fill it with fresh bread. And he puts a few rolls and a few pastries in this bag. And the soldier turns and walks out the door. And as he exits, he looks down at this little boy and hands him the bag. And the little boy, he's all smiles with great big eyes. And he opens the bag and smells it. And then he looks up at the soldier and he said, Mr., are you Jesus? Are you Jesus? Can you imagine being mistaken for Jesus? And yet, according to Paul, the Bible says if we claim to be Christians, if that's who we claim to be, then we must allow Jesus to live in and through us that people ought to see Jesus in us. That's what this means, to live a life worthy of the Lord. Jesus must come out. We've been changed inside. Metamorphosis means to be changed. We claim that this morning. But the definition goes on to say, and often, a change in habits. That's what we're going to look at this month. How do we then live? If this is who we are, we are Christ followers. If that's who we are, then as Dr. Schaefer said in his book, how then should we live? How then should we live? Well, next week we're going to flesh all of this out. Father, I thank you for your word once again. Father, help us. Uh, it's not an easy thing to live like Jesus in this world, uh, but my prayer is for us is to do just that, uh, that Jesus who lives in us, Father, might, might make himself known through us, that people, when they look at us, might see him in us. So use this series, I pray, to change us, to change us, to create in us something, Lord, that is just powerful so that when people look at us, they really, they see Jesus in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hymn number 349. Let's turn to hymn number 349. May the mind of Christ my Savior live in me from day to day. Let's stand together, 349. We'll sing five stanzas and then we'll be dismissed.
Father, my prayer is that people might see Jesus in us, that this might be the emphasis, the thrust of this month. So open our hearts and open our minds to receive the good word of God and change us. We, allow your, we want your spirit to come and fill us and move us and make us to become the kind of Christians that, Father, we claim to be. Help us to be followers of yours, not just in word, but in deed as well. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.